This morning you are in for a special treat. My beautiful wife Brenda is going to come and bring the word of the Lord to you. So open up your hearts and let's welcome her as she ministers the word today. Well, hallelujah. Good morning, you early birds. You know, they talk about the early bird special. I guess you all are the early birds today. So praise the Lord. You go ahead and be seated as we prepare to get into the word of God. The Lord put something uh, in my heart. The title of my message today is Stirred, Not Shaken. Did y'all hear that? Stirred, not shaken. Has anyone been tempted to be shaken lately? We're truly living in what the Bible calls perilous times. It describes it as a time when men's hearts will fail them for fear. We hear about wars and rumors of war and the little rocket man over there in North Korea and his craziness and all of that stuff. There's earthquakes, there's hurricanes, there's floods, there's fires, there's shootings. No one get depressed now because I said all of that stuff. I'm not getting up a load and suggesting that we just go and jump off of the Golden Gate Bridge. No, there's no reason for us as believers to be shaken or to be moved when we see all these things coming to pass. The Bible tells us that we're going to live in that day and in that hour at the end of the age when things like this will happen. And things with the natural earth, the earth is rocking and it's reeling. Why? Because even the earth is groaning for redemption. It's a new season. It's a new time. A new age is about to emerge. Jesus is coming. He's coming for his church. So it's not any time for us to be discouraged and to be despondent and to get depressed. Last week, if you weren't here, you need to listen to that message. Pastor did such an excellent job on Jesus is our rock. Hallelujah. And as he was preaching that, it was just kind of how this message started stirring on the inside of me. We are on the rock that won't roll. Thank God. We do have a sure foundation in unsure times. Listen to this scripture. It tells us that we are part of an unshakable kingdom. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, which, read that part with me, cannot be shaken. Woo! Say it again. Cannot be shaken. Then it goes on and it says, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's a good thing too. It's a good thing to serve the Lord, isn't it? It's a good thing to reverence God. But our point in this verse is that even though we live in a, in a world that's shaken, we are part of a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. The world around us may shake, but we serve an unstoppable and an unshakable God and his kingdom. Hallelujah. It's a kingdom that you and I are part of. Isn't that good news? I told you it was good news. We started out saying some things that were going on, but that's not the end of the story. Everybody say, but God, but my God is unmovable 
and is unshakable. Another way to say unshaken is to say secure, established, and stable. Settled. I looked up this word settled, and one of the definitions of settled was to stabilize. You know, we live in the Bay Area, and there's been earthquakes. There's been things that have happened. And and sometimes when something like that happens, a building, it might look all right from the outside. The facade of it could look okay, but there's this yellow tape that goes across the front of it, and it says, do not enter. It's un." stable because even though the outside the walls may still be standing something happened to the foundation there was a crack in the foundation and it caused that building to be unstable did you know sometimes in our christian life there are people that we come in contact with that may say yeah i'm a christian i can talk the talk i can walk the walk when i'm in church but with their if their life is not built on a solid foundation when the storms come they can get tossed to and fro and their foundation can be cracked we got to be built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We got to have our foundation on his on his rock, the rock of the Lord Jesus. There's a wonderful account about these two different houses found over in Matthew chapter 7, verse beginning at verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a man who built his house on what? The rock. The next verse. And when the rain descended and the floods came, verse 25, the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. What happened to it? It did not fall. Why did it not fall? It says there in verse 25, because it was founded on the rock. And then verse 26 goes on and it says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So did anybody else learn that Sunday school song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. I won't sing the whole thing, but the wise man built his house upon the rock. And then it goes on and it says the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down. The floods came up. But what happened to his house? It stood fast, right? Fast. That's a word. Fast. And then the rest of the song was... The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. The same rains came down. And what happened to his house? It went splat. It went splat. And the Bible doesn't tell us that the houses really looked that much different. They could have looked the very same. They could have used the same building material. The difference of going splat and standing fast was the what? Foundation. It was the rock versus the sand. You cannot build anything 
on sinking and shifting sand because that's what happened. Sand moves. When the tide comes in, it takes the sand back out with it. It doesn't stay the same. It's moving. It's shifting, but not a rock. A rock will remain firm, secure, and stable. What's your house built on? Let me just ask you that. Anybody in here built upon the rock? Built upon a sure foundation? That's what will keep us stable in unstable times. We have a stabilizer. It's called the Word. The Bible says in in Psalms 119, in verse 89, Forever, forever. Oh Lord, what is your word? Your word is settled in heaven. Your word is established. The Bible says his word will not return void. And not just when the Father speaks it, not when just when Jesus speaks it, but when we declare the word, it produces power and it will not return void. It is forever established, forever settled. Hallelujah. It's like when you come into the kingdom of God, what happens to your past? What happens to your sin? They're washed away. And again, an old wonderful song, the old account was settled long ago when I down on my knees when I called upon the name of the Lord my sins were washed away the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved whoever declares his lordship will be made a brand new creation anybody in here a new creation today anyone thankful that the old account was settled long ago. It's settled based upon the word. He said, call upon me and you'll be saved. Hallelujah. So the word is a sure foundation. It's solid. The word is also filled with wisdom and answers that bring stability. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6. I love this scripture. It says this. Wisdom and knowledge will be what? The stability of your times. And the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. What's going to bring us stability in these times? Wisdom. And knowledge of the Lord. Firm foundation to build our house on. Now let's look at this same passage in the message. If we could pull that up in the message. God keeps your days what? Stable and secure. Salvation, wisdom, and knowledge in surplus. And the best of all Zion's treasure, the fear of the Lord. One translation says this, that it is the reverential fear of the Lord that he treasures. 
Think about that. The Bible says that our prayers, our tears, they're stored in vials in heaven. But this verse is saying that our worship, that's what reverential fear is. It's worshiping Him. It's honoring Him. This verse is telling us that that is a treasure unto our Lord. Have you, you all love it when you give somebody a really special gift. And they take it and they hold it and they say, I'll treasure it forever. That means a lot to you, doesn't it? Because that means they value it and it's precious to them. We can give something to the Lord that he says, it's my treasure. And you know what that is? Our worship, our honor, our reverence of our mighty God. See, the enemy, he wants us to be in awe of him. And all that he's trying to stir up in this earth. He wants us to get shaken by all the things that we hear and see going on around us. And no Christian would just go, oh, devil, we worship you. You're so big. You're so awesome. But he deceives believers into getting them to be in awe of him. The way some Christians talk, you think the devil was huge doing all this stuff and God's little bitty down here. No, let's not get our praises mixed up. Let's not magnify the wrong one. Years ago, our spiritual father, Brother Hagin, was holding a meeting down in Southern California and an epidemic of the flu broke out and the crowds were just really small and hardly anybody was coming. Everybody's getting sick. So the pastor came to him one morning, said, you know, I'm sorry, nobody's here. Everybody has the flu. And then he said, Brother Hagen, are you afraid that you're going to get the flu? And Brother Hagen real loudly said, no, I'll never have the flu. And this pastor, this man of God kind of whispered and said, oh, Brother Hagen, I'd never say that. Don't you know the devil will hear you. Brother Hagen stepped back and boldly said, yeah, he's the very dude I'm saying it for. I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid of the flu. I'm not going to reverence what the devil is doing. We're not supposed to be shaking in our boots and say, big, bad devil. No, we don't have to fear him. We don't have to fear the flu. We don't have to fear bad news. We don't have to be afraid of terrorist attacks. We don't have to be afraid of something terrible happening to us or our family. We know how to be stirred and not shaken in this day, in this age in which we live. Wonderful scripture will, uh, it bears this out. Psalms 112, I want to read verse 6 through 8 out of the Amplified. So just listen, yeah, they have it up here. He will not be moved. How long? Forever. The uncompromising righteous, the upright and right standing with God. Is that you? 
If you're born again, you are in right standing with God. And this says shall be an everlasting remembrance. The next verse says this. Woo, read this one with me. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is what? Firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on, and being confident in the Lord. Verse 8, his heart is what? His heart is established and steady. He'll not be afraid. Well, he waits to see his desire established upon his adversaries. Look at these two established here. We're established and we are steady because we've got a sure foundation and his name is Jesus. But we are also established. We're not expecting bad things to happen to people, but we are established in the fact no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me, God will show to be in the wrong. I'm established in the fact that God is for me. The greater one is on the inside of me. Hallelujah. I'm established. I'm ahead and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm established that the devil may throw things at me, but I am more than a conqueror. What are you established in? Hallelujah. It's a twofold establishment right there. Evil things may and they will come. But when we know the Lord and we know his word, we won't be moved. We're established in the truth. Just like all of the promises in the Bible we can know these things, but we have to keep them stirred up. Anybody ever let something slip? Oh, yeah. The Lord told me I need to be confessing that scripture, and I let that slip. The Lord said I need to be praying that over my family, and I haven't been doing that. So what do you got to do in times like this? Well, I'm glad that you asked. You got to stir them up. So we want to look at this this morning. Now, Paul wrote some letters, two letters to be exact, to Timothy. Timothy was his son in the faith. And Paul was writing these letters to him from prison. And it was obvious to Paul, he'd heard that Timothy was going through some things. So let's pick this account up in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. I'm reading these out of the King James to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembered thee in my prayers night and day. Verse 4, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith unfeigned there unfeigned means genuine faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice and I am persuaded that in thee also so here we see this 
give you a little background. Timothy came up under Paul's ministry. Now Paul is older and he is in prison. What's he in prison for? Cheating on his taxes? No, he's in prison for preaching the gospel. And now there are some, you'll study this out, you'll see this is exactly what's going on. There's some young whippersnappers that have risen on the scene. And they're telling Timothy, you know, Paul, yeah, Paul's a great guy, good dude, all right. But he's old now. He's in prison. He's the old wave. We're the new thing. We're the new wave. So come on, Timothy. Come over here and hook up with us. Let's just, you know, let's just kind of forget what Paul was preaching. We got a new doctrine. We got higher revelation. That's what they were telling him. That's why verse 4, Timothy was crying. He was torn. Who do I follow? What do I do? So Paul hears word of this in prison and he writes him this letter. And he says, Timothy, you need to call to remembrance the things that you have been taught. The things that I told you will never change. The message of faith, he says, the unfeigned faith, the genuine faith message is what you still need to hold fast to. Timothy, don't get off on some tangent. And then I love this. He gave a shout out to his Gma and his mama, Eunice and Lois. They got a shout out from the apostle Paul. Hallelujah. They must have been some powerful, some influential women. And he's saying they taught you the same thing that I taught you, Timothy. They put the spirit of faith in you. You've got a heritage. You've got an inheritance. Don't back off from it. Stand for what you know is right. Like Pastor Olive says, dance with the one that brung you, Timothy. Don't be looking for a new partner in ministry. You got one. You've got me as your mentor. Now, Paul was not making it about him, but he was making it about Timothy being true. To what he had been taught and the call of God that was on his life. Then he continues telling him some things in verse 6 out of the Amplified. He says, that's why I'm here to remind you, stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame and keep burning. With that gracious gift of God, that inner fire that is in you. And then he reminds him here, you got that from God, but Timothy, I'm the one that laid hands on you. I'm the one that ordained you. Don't you forget where you came from. Don't forget who you're hooked up with. I don't want to get off on a bunch of stuff, but I'm telling you, there's flaky things that go around in the body of Christ. There's people that say, yeah, word of faith movement is over. The word of faith movement will never be over because it's not a movement. It's the word. Word. 
God might emphasize different things at different times and different seasons in the body of Christ, but there's never a place to say, ah, I heard that before. Yeah, we don't need to walk in love. Let's get a higher revelation. I don't want to hear about faith. Tell me, you know, how I can get my finances blessed. Well, none of that's going to happen if you don't have the foundation of faith. That's what he's telling him. You need to get back to your roots, Timothy. You need to stir up what was in you in the beginning. When you think about stir up, think about this. You can have all the right ingredients in your cabinets to make delicious chocolate chip cookies. I've done it hundreds, if not thousands of times. But I can look at those ingredients up there in my cabinet. If they stay in my cabinet and I never stir them together, I'm not going to have any results. There's a lot of believers. You've been told. You've been taught. You've got the right stuff on the inside of you. The word, faith, love, and joy. But if it's not stirred up, not kept stirred up, it's not going to produce any results in our lives. I like to just look up the definitions of words. Maybe it's because I sometimes have a hard time speaking the English language, so I need a little further insight. But I looked up stirred. Listen to these. I loved it. To call forth, to rouse, to activity. Listen to this one. To disturb the quiet. That's what I'm doing today. Wake up! (laughs) Disturbing you. Disturbing your sleep. It's not time to be asleep. Wake up! The body of Christ needs to wake up! It's not time to be asleep. It's time for us to be stirred, called to action, aroused to activity. It's high time to be about the Father's business. To you, all those things through the years, those impartations, impartations through the great teachings of the word that you have heard, impartation through the Spirit of God coming upon you, and in many cases in your hands being laid upon you. It's time. Time now to stir those things up and to become data and to become useful in the kingdom of God. To be about the Father's business. Whoo! Get about it. That's exactly right. So all those things on the inside of us, they need to be stirred. And they need to be ignited by the fire of the Holy Ghost. You can stir those ingredients up for those yummy chocolate chip cookies. Nobody get hungry. But unless those cookies come in contact with heat, with fire, they're not going to be baked. They're not going to be the finished project. So the Holy Spirit is saying today, get... And stay full of the fire of God. 
Holy Ghost and fire, fire, fire. Amen. Holy Ghost and fire. I believe it's Matthew 3, 11. I didn't write this one down. But this is what comes up in my heart. I think that's right. Matthew 3, 11, where John said about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yep, that's it. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. And what's he going to do? He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and what? Fire. Fire. Some people say, yeah, I spoke in tongues 50 years ago. So, you know, I received the baptism. Are you speaking today? Is there any burning happening on the inside today? Everybody say this with me. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. and far, far, far. far, far. You know, I, I still have a hard time saying it properly and I might not even be yet. Fire. Because I grew up saying far, Holy Ghost and far, far, fire. That's what's on the inside of us. That's what Jesus came to give us. And Paul is telling Timothy, you got to stir it up. You have to fan the flame and stoke the fire. You have to rekindle the embers. If he had to do it, so do all of us. Have you ever heard of the Salvation Army? Started by General Booth. He said this, The tendency of fire is to go out. Watch the fire on the altar of your heart. It is in constant danger of cooling off You are in constant danger of cooling off spiritually, losing our fervor, and to slow down in our zeal. Lift your hands and say, not me. me. Say, I'm staying lit. I'm staying staying on fire. fire. Amen. Amen. You might sense today in your life that there's just a little bitty ember, an ember buried under some ashes. But as long as there is an ember... There is hope for fire. What happens if you just have a little ember? I will forever have ingrained in the memory of my heart and my mind, my father building fires in our little farmhouse. He'd be out working and, oh, it'd be cold in the winter and we'd have some sort of a fire burning, but he'd come in and, man, he would stoke that fire. And perhaps it went out during the day because nobody was home. He'd be looking around in there, stirring those ashes. Ah, there's an ember. What did he do? He got down and he just blew on that ember. Then put a little kindling on there. And the next thing you know, you got a big raging fire. I believe that the Holy Spirit, that the Father is saying today, that the Holy Spirit is here. Let him breathe on the embers in your heart. Are you willing to be willing? Are you willing to be rekindled? 
someone might say, but I don't speak in tongues. I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You can be. You should be. The Lord in a visitation to Brother Hagen. That's pretty high credentials. Jesus and Brother Hagen. I have high esteem for both. He said to him, It is my will under the new covenant that all believers be filled with the Holy Ghost. Will all believers be filled? No. Is everybody in here filled? Can you go to heaven without speaking in tongues? Of course you can. But my question is, why would you want to? Why would you want to live down here without all the power that heaven has to offer? We do face a lot of things. And it's a temptation for us to back off and to be overcome with fear. Back in Timothy, where we were reading, you can can just continue that on down. Verse 6 and verse 7 are connected. So in 6, he's telling them, stir up those things on the inside of him. And then he tells them in verse 7, and then he says, God didn't give you a spirit of timidity, of cowardliness, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. But what has he given you? He's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a calm, well-balanced mind, a discipline and self-control. It's not the time to be cowardly. Not the time to be intimidated. That's what he was telling Timothy. And that's what I'm telling you. By the unction of the Holy Ghost. Some of you have been bound by a spirit of fear. And one of the ways to get rid of that is to get full of the Holy Ghost. If you've already been baptized, then to get rekindled and refired. When you're full on the inside, it affects the outside. We can't stay stirred up by ourselves and not be shaken in our own ability. There's too much going on for us to comprehend and to handle in our mind and in our soul. That's why we need to be ignited with the power of the Holy Ghost and fire. We need His help to stay stirred up. Would you agree? The first step to being on fire is to admit you need to be lit. Admit you need to be lit. Admit, yeah, maybe maybe I've let some things slip. Maybe that flame is now just a, a little flicker. And I'm here and I'm saying, Lord, I'm willing to be stirred. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for the anointing that is moving in this place. 